Uh, well, we are talking about faith again today. Uh, if you were here last week, uh, I mean, well, we talk about faith, you know, uh, quite a bit, right? But we're really focusing in on faith this morning. Uh, if you were here last Sunday, is this up loud enough? Can you guys hear me? No, a little louder, please, Lisa. How's that? Is that better? A little, little higher, maybe? Is that, okay, all right. That'll work. Okay, so last week, J.R. talked about faith, right? He said this. He said, we are people of faith. We are called to keep the faith, encourage others in the faith, build ourselves up in the faith, stand firm in the faith. We talk about walking in the faith. We talk about our faith being tested. We seek to be faithful, full of faith, right, in all that we say and do. And so by summary, he said, you know, as Christians, we're people who live by faith. But he also made the point that really everyone lives by faith in something, right? There's, the, the real question is, what do we choose to put our trust in? What sort of faith will come to define our lives? And that trust that defines our faith, it, it's in the God of the Bible, right? And, he, and that God is most fully revealed in Jesus Christ, and our trust in his holy name, uh, not in our own good works, not in our own religious devotion, that is what we trust in, right? We trust in that God says who he is, and he is who he says he is. And he does what he says he will do, right? And we started last week in Hebrews 11, and today I want to continue in that passage. Uh, there's a lot of great things there in Hebrews 11, and I'm going to continue through the beginning of Hebrews 12 as our main text for today. But I want to ask the question, what does faithful faith look like? Right? What is faithful faith? As a community, we are stepping into a season today of deep and committed prayer. And that naturally was on my heart all this week as we were meeting together as um, elders and leadership and talking about and planning and working on this prayer guide. And what is prayer without faith, right? And so as we begin today this 40-day journey together, maybe your faith is weak. Maybe you say, I'm... My faith is weak right now. Maybe you wonder, how do I meaningfully participate in this 40 days of prayer when I myself have doubts? Are you lacking faith as we begin this journey? Well, that, if you are, that's okay, because we all go through seasons of doubt. But the question is, are you willing to seek a deeper faith this morning? Are you committed to, to opening your heart and asking God to increase your faith through this season of prayer and reflection and discernment. And maybe, are you, maybe you're full of faith today, right, as we start this journey. And if that's you, consider how you might use that faith to encourage those around you who might need it. Listen to this quote as we begin this morning. I read this quote this week. It said that faith allows people to see beyond what is right in front of them, their daily problems, to see what God is doing in their midst, to see what God has done throughout the ages, and to see the future joy God has in store for us. And as you um, unpack your prayer guides this week, there's, there's some blank pages, like Jim said, for you to record some of these things that God brings to mind as we're praying, right? To see what God is doing in our midst, to see what God has done through the ages, and to see the future joy that God has for us. My prayer that we would have faith to see those things over these next 40 days. So today's passage from uh, Hebrews 11 and 12, it's written to a, a group of Jewish believers, right? Jewish Christians 
and they were a group of people whose faith needed some encouragement. You see, these Jewish Christians, the Hebrews, they were demoralized, they were persecuted, they were discouraged, because as, as Christians um, from a Jewish heritage, and, and because of some of the ways that they were living and the ways that they were um, living out what it meant to, to be people who follow Jesus in the kingdom, they were excluded from mainstream society, right? There were ways in which they were excluded from mainstream society, but then they were also excluded from the, the Jewish religious establishment that they had come from, that they had grown up in, the tradition that they had uh, been raised in, well, now that as they embraced Jesus as Messiah, they were now excluded from that as well. And there was pressure to conform and, and go back just to Judaism and, and pressure from the culture to conform and, and to step into, you know, the, the larger culture. And they were stuck in this place and they felt isolated, alone, didn't know where to turn. They were leaning on the promises of God, but they found it difficult to wait for the fulfillment of those promises. And so, the writer of Hebrews, inspired by the Holy Spirit, wrote these words. So, if you want to look in your uh, pew Bibles or your Bible, we're going to be, uh, so J.R. started at the beginning of Hebrews, but we're going to start at Hebrews 11, 29, where, from where he left off through Hebrews 12, 2. This is a, uh, a very famous passage, uh, so it might sound familiar to you. So, let's hear these words again, fresh today. By faith. The people, people of Israel that is, they passed through the Red Sea as if it were dry land. But when the Egyptians attempted to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had received the spies in peace. And what more should I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets who, through faith, conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, won strength out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead by resurrection. Others were tortured refusing to accept release in order to obtain a better resurrection. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned to death, they were sawn in two, they were killed by the sword, they went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, persecuted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and in holes in the ground. Yet all these, though they were commended for their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better, so that they would not, apart from us, be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. The word of the Lord. 
Like I said, these are maybe some familiar words. This is a very famous passage from the book of Hebrews, but worth looking at, worth listening to this morning. So last week, again, J.R. started us down through this hall of fame, if you will, of, of, uh, of faith in Hebrews 11. It started all the way back with Abel, right? The, the son of Adam and Eve, all the way back with Abel. And it moved on, it continued through Noah, and it continued through Abraham, and it continued through Sarah, and then Moses, and then we picked up today, right, with the, with the Red Sea, the people of Israel going through the Red Sea and the Exodus. And in verses 29 through 32, there's a lot of names just given in quick succession there, right? A name here, a name, prophet, judge, all these names. And maybe as you heard those names uh, read this morning, maybe some or all of these uh, Old Testament stories were familiar to you. Uh, if, if they weren't, know that to the original audience, that those, those Hebrews, right, the, the people to whom the book of Hebrews is written, they would have known all of these names, all of these enshrinees, if you will, right? They, they would have known all these Hall of Fame faith people because they were raised in that Jewish tradition. And so as they heard these names, as they heard the circumstances recounted, they would have been, oh yeah, I remember, I remember. These are the stories. And so there is a way in which the writer's saying, hey, even though you are no longer living out the Jewish faith in the way you were raised, right? You have, Jesus has come and there are new things that you are now incorporating into your faith. These are still the stories of your faith. These are still the stories of your God right? Because Jesus is the fullness of that God, the God of the Old Testament. So as, you, as we read on in, in verses 33 through 38, it, it tells some stories. It tells stories of people who triumph by faith, by, of miracles, right? You heard some of those miraculous interventions of, you know, fire, you know, being quenched and, and people being raised from the dead. Wow, some amazing things happened by faith. But he continues, and, and the, the other stories don't, don't sound quite as triumphant, right? He talks about those who were persecuted, who uh, were martyred, who experienced great difficulty. And yet they are also called people who lived by faith, right? There are those who, who triumphed by faith, but also those who persevered by faith in the midst of pain and loss and persecution, yet they held on to that faith. Now, I have to be honest and say right now, given the choice, I'd rather be in the first group of people, right, whose faith uh, brought them into a triumphant joy, uh, as opposed to those who maybe were holding on to their faith by a thread, but yet held on to the end in the midst of difficulty and persecution. And it may, you know, and I'm guessing if I asked for a show of hands that most of you would be with me on that, right? We'd rather be those who triumph by faith as opposed to those who, who hold on to our faith through difficulty, but it, it, it may be, and it probably is, that there are seasons of life where our faith is going to feel triumphant, where we're going to receive things in answer to our faith that we are looking for, but it is probably also true that there will be times that our faith is going to be threatened, and we'll be holding on for dear life through difficulties and ad adversities that come our way. But I love here that, that both are seen as examples of heroes of faith, those whose faith leads them into the miraculous and those whose faith allows them to persevere. They're both held up as examples of faith, right? Each, all of those names are those who have been faithful. And so, like I said, the church who this, that, that, was, that was receiving this letter, the letter to the Hebrews, they were, they were, one de they were a church dealing with difficulties and discouragements. 
And the writer of this book wanted to encourage them to stay faithful, right? Full of faith. I read this great quote also this week. It said this, What has helped God's people deal with discouragement from the beginning is the knowledge that we are not alone. We are following in the footsteps of people from the earliest biblical times who were unsure of what the future had for them, unsure of what the future held for them. I love that. Uh, I love this quote. We follow in the footsteps of saints who along the way chose to trust God anyway. We follow a God who does not abandon us in times of trouble. When we follow the path of staying focused on Jesus Christ, our Savior, we are able to see the joy in life despite the suffering. Like we sang this morning, right? It is well with my soul. We are able to see the joy in life despite the suffering, not because it goes away, right? But we're given eyes to see. And so I I love this image, right? This reminder that uh, we're, we're not alone, that this path we're taking has been walked by pilgrims before us, and it will be traversed by pilgrims after us. Uh, this week, I, I took the girls to see Frozen um, on Broadway. I Barb, Barb went too. It was awesome. Uh, we went we, at different times. We went on Thursday night to opening night. These are tickets, guys, I got these tickets in 2020, uh, and then it got shut down, and so this was our finally, we were finally able to go do that. And so this is kind of unusual for, for the girls and I to take a trip, um, especially that late at night, to Cleveland. I, we'd never done anything like that before. And so on the way home, you know, it's dark after, after things let out at Playhouse Square, and we're coming home late, and there's some empty stretches of road on our way home. And, you know, call me crazy, but I, but I kind of like traffic. Not, now, not the traffic that slows you down, but the traffic that keeps you moving, right? That kind of that flow. And maybe it's because I, I lived in places like L.A. and Chicago for a while, and there's always cars around, and I, I, I didn't grow up in the country in rural areas. So when I'm alone on the road and I don't see other cars around me, I start to kind of get worried. I start to wonder, you know, am I going the right speed? Am I missing something? Am I on the right path? It just, I'm more comfortable when there's just a flow I'm in, when there's cars around me, right? Uh, I didn't take these photos, but like, you know, there's this picture here I saw, I looked up this week, one of like one car on like a major interstate, like that just kind of weirds me out, right? Like what's going on here? Or, Or like a long country road, you know, driving along down that. I know for some people that may feel peaceful and, you know, serene, but I, it kind of just weirds me out, okay? I don't, I don't like that. I feel better when I'm in the flow, when I'm in the crowd, right? And so that came to mind as I thought about, you know, the, the book of Hebrews, because the author is saying to this discouraged group of people, this group of people who feel very alone where they are, to say, you know, you're not alone, and what you're facing isn't new, Right? It may look desolate, but the reality is you're on a well-worn path. And there are those that are going to follow you on this path. And it may look like you're alone right now, but you're actually surrounded by this beautiful image we see in Hebrews 12.1 of a cloud of witnesses. I love that picture, right? The, the cloud of witnesses. So, a, a cloud is something that, that's visible, but yet not tangible, right? Like if, like if you fly through a cloud, like there's a way in which it... It can, you can see it, but, you know, it's not like on Care Bears when I was a kid. You can't, like, jump on the clouds, right? They're, they don't hold your weight. Like, they're, 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 they're not tangible, but, but they're there. They're present, right? And so it says in, you know, Hebrews 12, 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, 
Let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. This image that, you know, the, these people that we just named, that they're not visible to us right now, they're not tangible, they're not on the, this part of the road with us, but they've gone before, and they are present cheering us on, right? What a picture. It's, it should be both encouraging and challenging at the same time, right? We need to remember those that have gone before, that have worn this path. Uh, I think about um, when I was a kid, we played this video game called the Oregon Trail. That was one of the only video games there where it was about, you know, pioneering west. And the idea that a well-worn path only becomes well-worn because other people have gone that way, right? Before there were paved roads, it was people going down a path multiple times that creates, you know, a, a road there that you know where to go, where to follow. You're following in the path that someone else has carved out before you. We, we are to remember those that have kept the faith till the end. And those examples should encourage us, but they should also challenge us, right? They should also challenge us. The author of Hebrews here, he likens this, this process, this, this thing that we're on as a race. He says, run with perseverance, the race set before you. Anybody here a runner? Any, any racers out there? Anybody ever uh, had that in their life? Uh, I know Tina is. Tina, uh, our secretary, she's a big runner. She does races all the time. I don't know how she does it. It's amazing. Um, but they say that even for great runners, you know, those that are continually challenging themselves, there's a point in every race where you say, why am I doing this, right? I can relate to that. For some of us, that might be like the first few yards. Um, but, and, and maybe for others, it's in the middle or others near the end. But at some point, you wonder, why, why am I doing this? Why am I on this race? Now, as a kid, I was never a runner. I was not really athletic. I was more in the music scene at, at school and things. And as an adult, I wasn't really, you know, a runner either. But if you were here uh, last week, after J.R. preached, I came up and I talked about how um, I took this step of faith and moved to California to go to grad school um, uh, in 2006 or seven, something like that. And, and part of that process of me, um, you know, kind of, stepping out in faith was trying a lot of things that I hadn't tried before. Doing some different things, trying new foods, going new places, trying new hobbies, um, things that maybe uh, I would have just, you know, stayed in my comfortable zone of what I knew I was good at. Instead, I said, you know, I'm going to try some new things. Well, one of those was running. Um, it, didn't, it didn't hurt that Los Angeles is a place where it's good running weather year-round, so that helps, right? And, and you enjoy like, being outside, and it's a good excuse to be outside. Um, so I had some friends there, and they were running a 5K, so I decided, hey, I'm going to run my first 5K. And, hey, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. And then I found out, well, hey, that, that went pretty well. Why not do a 10K? And there was this uh, 10K race that was going through Los Angeles at the time. They called it the human race. And it was um, put on by Nike. I actually brought a visual aid here. This is my shirt from the human race. And what happened, and you know, because I love all things global and international, right? So on this day, it was August 31st, 2008, um, in Sydney, Australia, there was the first race. And in every, like, they tried to get in every time zone around the world, different races were staggered throughout that day. And we all had bib numbers so that corresponded. So even though I was running in Los Angeles and someone else was running in Chicago and someone else was running in Berlin and Sydney, we all would have numbers that would be different because we were all part of this one giant race. So it was, it was really fun. 
Oh yeah, it has on the back here all of the cities, right? Amsterdam, London, Los Angeles. Um, but Los Angeles was the very last one, and so we ran at night. So it was like dark, but they lit up all these city streets. Um, so it was kind of fun to like go places I wouldn't have gone uh, normally, but I was there because I was full. You know, all these other racers were there. Um, so it was it was really fun. Well. I didn't, I didn't really train any more for the 10K than I had for the 5K. I, I assumed, you know, hey, I got this running thing down, I'll be fine. Um, well, it didn't, it didn't go quite as well as I had hoped, but, but I did finish. Um, so, and you know, something that I realized was that for much of the time, the crowd carried me. Like there was a way in which, even though I was running a further distance than I had run before, if I would have been doing that by myself, I don't know, I don't know how, if I would have finished or how long it would have taken me. But there was a way in which, because I was with these other people, partially because I didn't want to get trampled, okay? You know, you don't want to just like stop and, and get trampled, but partially just because there's this energy, right, of the people around you going in the same direction. It's kind of like riding a wave, and, and you can forget sometimes how tired you are. But in, in spite of the energy that I got from the crowd and, and, you know, the way that they helped me keep moving, ultimately, it was my choice, right? I had to keep putting one foot in front of the other in order to reach the finish line. And though I was encouraged by, you know, the, the global racers and then those that were really physically with me, um, I had to continually make the choice to keep moving forward towards that finish line. I'll tell you, the, the hardest part of that race is there was a stretch where you were coming down, say that back door is the finish line, and you can see the finish line. But then the, then the race takes a right hook and you have to run way down, do a loop and come back before you actually get there. So you're seeing people cross the finish line, but you have to go way down that way and back again. And isn't that life sometimes? You know, you think, you're like, I can see, I can see where I'm going, I'm almost there, and then you're like, wait, there's a detour over here? That was the hardest stretch for me, right? That was the hardest stretch because I thought I was closer than I was. And uh, you know, I don't know what that looks like in your life, but it, it's a lot harder um, when that happens. And that, that was the hard part that took the most endurance to push through. Uh, because when, when you think you're almost there and you're not, uh, it gets a lot harder. But that was, the, that was the point I had to push through, right? And keep moving in spite of the fact that I wanted to just really pick up that rope and like just slip through and uh, not, not let anyone know I didn't do the extra bit. But, um, but I, I wanted to run and complete the race that was marked out for me. Now, one other thing I noticed in this uh, passage is that it says to lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely as we run a race. Now, it's ridiculous to think that anyone would want to run a race with any extra, extra weight. I know some people exercise with, like, those ankle weights and things, but, you know, why? Really? I mean, I, you know, I just, especially on the race day, you're not going to do that, right? You want to take off everything that hinders, take off everything that might weigh you down. Now, there's one of my favorite comedians, um, a guy that... Uh, Jar and I have seen in person, his name is Nate Bargatze. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's really funny. He's got a lot of great stuff. Now, he does a bit where he's talking about um, he was going to climb up a path to Mount Rainier out west with a buddy, and they were, you know, there's like a path up this mountain, and he was shocked. He saw, um, you know how Katrina wears those wraps, like with, with Theo sometimes? So he saw some mothers up there going, hiking up this path with their babies wrapped on him, and he's like, I didn't even bring my wallet. You know, I left my wallet in the car, and these women are hiking up this with a baby. Like, that's crazy. Like, I'm just taking off all the weight I possibly can. And, th and that's what's intuitive, right? If we're going to take a journey like that, uh, you know, leave everything in the car you possibly can. You want to travel light when you're in a race. 
And so the author of Hebrews, it says here, lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely. Unconfessed sin is going to weigh us down on our faith journey, right? It's going to hold us back. It's going to make it harder to make steps forward. And so one of our focuses during these 40 days, one of the things that we want to ask ourselves is, God, is there anything that I need to forgive or ask forgiveness for? God, is there anything that I need to forgive or ask forgiveness for? We want to let go of that weight. If there's extra weight that's holding us down and holding us back, let's let go of it. Let's ask these questions so that we can move forward on this race ahead of us. Now, sometimes to have faith, uh, we have to sometimes act in faith, right? Sometimes um, walking in faith will help us step out in faith even more. This week, um, Helen Wentworth reminded me of the book. uh, It was popular for a while. If you want to walk on water, you have to step out of the boat. Does anyone remember that book or read that by John Ortberg, uh, the pastor? Uh, You know, based on the story of Jesus and Peter, right, asking him to to step out of the boat and walk on water. And the, the premise is, well, it's easy to have faith sitting inside the boat, right? To say, yeah, I have faith. I can walk on water. That's what the rest of the disciples did. Like, they, they said they had faith. But it's something else to actually swing your leg over the side, to kind of ease your way out and set that foot down, right? That, that's another kind of faith. So if you, do you want more faith? Maybe the first thing to do is to act on the little faith you have and to watch that grow. Watch that grow. This verse continues, and it says... Um, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken a seat at the right hand of God. Another author I read um, wrote this about faith as a way of seeing. Do I have that here? Oh, wait, I don't have that here. All right, I must have not put that on a slide. Um, it's, it's about seeing what God's doing in our midst. It's about seeing what God's done through history. And it's about seeing the future joy that God has for us. Like I said before, although the crowd helps a runner run the race, the ultimate motivation for that runner is what's at the finish line, right? That's why you run a race, is to get to the finish line. And so while the author here suggests that we take encouragement from the cloud of witnesses, right? They are there to encourage us to move forward. That's not where our focus should be looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. That's where our eyes are locked, right? Our eyes are to be locked on Jesus. If you remember that story about Peter in the boat, when does he fall, right? When he takes his eyes off Jesus, when he stops looking to Jesus. And so the writer of Hebrews says, keep your eyes on Jesus, right? Look forward. Every once in a while, you can peek in the rearview mirror and remind yourself of that cloud of witnesses, right? Take a quick glance, but, but keep forward, Look ahead to Jesus. And it says Jesus himself, he knew what was at that, his earthly finish line, right? He knew the joy that was set before him, and so he endured. And Jesus invites us to follow follow him into the future he has for us. And as we do that, let's keep our eyes focused on him. Now, the story is told that Reverend Fred Rogers was invited to speak at a prayer gathering of influential men and women. Now, you probably know the Reverend Fred Rogers more as Mr. Rogers of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, the longtime PBS television show for children. 
And though this, at this event he wasn't speaking to a room full of children, he was speaking at a formal event to a group of accomplished adults, of leaders, um, of men and women, he of course approached them the same way. He approaches everyone, right, with his humble, personal, engaging countenance. Because he was a man who saw everyone as important, right, no matter who they were, whatever their age, whatever their location. And he began his time with them by taking out his watch and telling the group he wanted to give them two minutes to reflect on all the people that made it possible for them to be there that day. He said, I just want you to take two minutes of silence and think about who made it possible for you to be here today? Whose shoulders are you standing on? What, what strength are you leaning on? Your mind can go a lot of ways with that question. Who made it possible for you to be here today? And so this morning I'm going to end with a, a similar exercise for us where we will ask God to bring to mind and those that have made it possible for us to be here today and that we might thank him for those people. But even as we do that exercise, we'll remember that though people encourage our faith, our faith is not in other people or in ourselves. It's in God, right? It's in Jesus. Because faith in this passage we just read, it's not about trusting ourselves. Trust is outwardly focused. We trust the God who stayed true to our ancestors in faith and who will stay true to us, right? The God who will stay true to us. Our faith is in Jesus. And so um, today as you leave, you're going to pick up three things uh, that are under this uh, lovely covered table. We don't, I, don't, I didn't want you to start taking them too soon, but there are three things there. Did I bring them up? No. Um, well, technically four. Uh, one is this prayer guide, uh, and then there's an insert to go in it that's for this week. Uh, it's pretty self-explanatory. There's a how to use this guide section at the beginning. And, oh, here's the, there's an insert that you'll pick up. Uh, and then there's daily prayer-focused topics. If you have any questions on that, please ask uh, the pastors, the elders. You'll have that. Um, but there's also, and I really thought I'd grab one. I didn't. Nope. Oh, there's also, um, do you want to grab one for me? A magnet that is, uh, you know those little plastic, uh, I don't know what they're called. That's why I want to show you one. But it's, it's uh, been knit, I guess. Let's just say knit. I don't know the correct term for that. But um, I found these um, cleaning out our church closets one time. We had a whole bunch of these magnets that, you know, I don't know who made them. Maybe somebody here does. Um, but, but someone in this church took a lot of time to make these years ago to the point where we probably don't remember who it was anymore. And I want you to put this on your refrigerator to remember that there are people that have gone before us that have left a legacy for us, right? That they have left things for us to stand on, and we want to be thankful for them as we look at this uh, today. Also, um, right now, Jan and Bob uh, Joskowski are helping our kids make bracelets. Uh, and so uh, those, those will be done, and uh, those are bracelets that you can take and wear to remind you to pray as we move into this time of prayer as well. And I hope this, that the magnet reminds, as this magnet reminds you of the past, of the great cloud of witnesses, I hope that the bracelet will remind you of the future and our responsibility to nurture faith in the generations that come after us. So that's so a lot of things to come today. I hope you brought you know, room in your purse or, or your bag, but those are some special things we have for you as we move into this um, season of prayer. Uh, and so, uh, like Mr. Rogers, I'm going to give us two minutes of silence. I'm going to set a timer, and at the end of that silence, um, J.R. will come up and he will 
begin to lead us in our time of corporate prayer today. And I would ask that in that silence, you would just ask God to bring to mind um, those for whom you can give thanks. And maybe also that he might bring to mind those whose faith you can encourage um, on the journey. So let's begin our time of listening together. God, in this silence, we pray you would bring to mind those who we should hold in our hearts with gratitude, who have made it possible for us to be here today. Lord, bring also to mind those whose faith we can play a role in nurturing and strengthening. And so we say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. 